1 John chapter 5, we're going to get into 9 and we're going to go through 12. I'm going to read it, then we're going to start. Listen to what it says. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you notice, I'm reading out of my King James because I started this lesson last week. This will be part two of what I started last week. And so I wanted to finish that out of the King James uh, interpretation there of God's Word. So we're going we're gonna to begin right there in verse 9. Last week we looked at three that bear a record in heaven. Three that bear a record in heaven. And we looked at three that bear a record on earth. That's a total of six. The three that bear a record in heaven, we know they're all one. That is the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God's Word tells us that. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And then it says in verse 8, And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Not that they are one, but that they agree in one. In other words, they all testify to the same thing. So we have these great witnesses, these great uh, testimonies that are before us. And we looked at that last week. Particularly those, just those couple of verses. Since the testimony has been given, since they have been confirmed, since they have been given to us and we've seen this, it now places the ball in your court. And I'm going to throw it at you right here. Okay? Christian, show me a throw. You're a pitcher. Stand up and show me a throw. Come on, man. You've got, you can't wind up, but you can show me how to do it, can't you? Watch here, I'm going to throw you the ball. You got it? Okay. So, Christian's a pitcher and I just threw it to him. But here's the deal. Now that we see the witnesses, now that we see that they have bore record of the truth, then that ball is then placed in our hands. It's in our court. We got to understand that. Verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, listen to the word, if we receive the witness of men, if we believe what men say, why would we not believe what God says? If we believe what men say, and there's a lot of people that say a lot of things and we believe it, We turn on the news and we listen to how fake it is and we soak it in and believe it. We watch wrestling. (laughs) Well, I don't. (laughs) But there's a lot of people that watch wrestling and they believe it. They believe it's real. Huh? They believe it's real. 
If we believe the record and the witness of men, why would we not believe the record and the witness, the testimony of God? Verse 9 tells us that God's witness is greater. If we receive the witness of men, receive to believe, to take in, to hold on to, the witness of God is greater. There are so many people, simpletons, people that are simple-minded, that they believe everything that comes down the pipe. And then you have those that are very, very smart intellectuals that would just as soon believe in evolution that, have, that, that has no basis as opposed to God's Word that has a starting point. And so here we have, we have all this truth in God's Word. We have Jesus who came to bear witness of that truth in God's Word. But there are still those that the ball has been placed in their hands and they don't believe. Scripture teaches us that the Lord is truth, right or wrong. That God is truth. Throughout history, empires have come and they have gone. Empires. I'm not talking about the United States of America. We ain't been here that long. I'm talking empires that have lasted a lot longer than where we're at. They're gone. Civilizations come and gone. You can go and see the ruins. Ideologies that have come and people have have fallen down before and and worshipped these certain ideologies... They've come and they've gone. Thoughts and different ways of thinking have come and gone. People groups, they've come and gone. But God's word stands true forever. Forever. So are we going to Believe the half-baked thoughts and ideologies of some heretic that's been on the earth for 50-some years or 60 years or even 80 years? Or are we going to believe the Word of God that has stood the test of time? It has never failed. It is still here. It is still going strong. It is still being taught. It is still bearing witness of the Son of God. Which one will you believe the ball is in your court? See, the scripture teaches us, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. The reason why God's word stands forever is because God stands forever. Do we understand that? It doesn't fail because God backs it up. God's word stands true forever. The grand old word, the testimony, 
of Jesus has stood the test of time. It cannot be destroyed as many people think that it can be. As many Bibles of people think that they can burn to try to eradicate the poison that is spread through the apostles and through the church now. It can't be destroyed. It's not just some ideology. It's not just something that people have been suckered into believing. But it is the truth concerning the Son of God. It's an accurate witness, an accurate record. We have confirmation after confirmation that it is true. My heart even tells me that it is. My mind, the way that I live, is dictated by the truth of God's Word and who He says His Son is in His Word. Verse 9 tells us this, For this is the witness of God which He has testified of His Son. Verse 10, He that believes on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. In other words, the testimony of God concerning Jesus Christ has made a home, has made a residence, has took up a dwelling place inside the heart of man. And we become witnesses of that in the world. To testify of his son. Turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts in chapter 4. I want to show you and to share with you how strong this witness is. Well, it compelled me the other night to speak to a man. Four and a half hours from my house. It compelled me to tell him about the good news of Jesus Christ. To tell him that there was hope outside of Leeville. Outside of eating drum off the back of fishermen's boats. There's hope. Listen to what it says. Acts chapter 4. Let me read this for just a minute. I told you that I wasn't going to preach long, but I'm going to. And so y'all just bear with me because we ain't got church tonight. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they spoke, spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse 3, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. This is Peter and John who were preaching. They could not help but to speak of what Jesus had done for them. Their witness and their testimony was that Jesus rose again from the dead and saved their soul. That was their witness. That was their testimony. They bore record and their record was true. And 5,000 people, about 5,000 people were saved. 
men. And it came to pass on the, on the morrow that their rulers and their elders and the scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Here the ball has been placed in John's court and in Peter's court. It has been tossed to them and they have an option. They can either testify to the truth of God's word and who he is or they can take a back seat and sit down and be quiet. But when they're confronted with opposition, watch what happens. They're asked by what power or by what name have you done this? It's striking to note that the man that was on the, on the bank of the Gulf of Mexico the other night kept telling me, I don't know the name. I don't know of this higher power. I was able to tell him who it was. Well, here Peter and John are about to do the exact same thing. Listen to what it says. Then Peter... Filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. See, their witness and their record, their testimony that they bore was not just of themselves, but what God had done in this man and in themselves concerning the Son, Jesus Christ. They did not waver. They did not fault. They were steadfast in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You see, understand something. They were unlearned and ignorant. But yet they had a witness and they had a testimony. They had a record that dwelled within them that must come out of them. And in fact, it did come out of them. Listen to what it says. I think that's funny in verse 13. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they perceived that they were unlearned. And ignorant. I think what's funny about that is Peter and John's language probably wasn't their English. I say English. Like my English. Their language skills probably wasn't the best. You could tell they were from the country. You could tell that they were unlearned. Right? You could tell this from talking to them. But they took notice and bore record that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. 
Verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. See what happens when those that know that they love Jesus and that Jesus dwells within them. Those that know that they have been born again. When they begin to speak of the goodness of God. People take note and they have to believe it. They have to say it. They have to see it because it bears witness. What they were doing they could not go against. A man had been healed by the power of God. Whether they wanted to believe them or not, the ball had been placed back in their courts. And they say, we take notice that this man was healed. We take notice that they are unlearned. But we also take notice and perceive that they have been with Jesus. Now what? What do we do? There's a lot of people in that position. They have can testify that the Lord is real. They can testify that the word of God has stood the ages. They can testify and see Christ living in other people. But what will they say when it comes right down to it? Will they receive that testimony? That's so strongly bearing record? Or will they not? Listen to what it says. Verse 17. But that is spread no further among the people. It says, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. What name? The name of Jesus, right? They said, we're going to tell them. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna threaten them. And we're going to tell them straightly, don't you dare speak of this name again. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. And then he says this, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and which we have heard. Peter and John were so convinced of this witness that they couldn't help but to preach and tell of the goodness of God. Why? Why? Because the witness was in themselves. The truth of God was in themselves. They had that witness. That Jesus is the Son of God. And they preached it from the rooftops. This is what we're talking about here in 1 John. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. I promise you right now that I would not be preaching the Word of God if God's witness was not in me. Period. Because I don't like standing in front of people. My sister asked me the other day, she said, do you get nervous when you preach? I said, every time I stand up. My hands sweat. 
My face sweats. My whole body sweats. Nervous as a cat. Because it ain't me. It ain't, it ain't my, my wish to stand up here and to tell, tell this. It, it, I, I want to be introverted and, and, and be in the back with y'all. Shelton, I want to be where you're at. At times, I do. But I cannot help but to testify of what God has done in my life. Today I have this witness. And from the time I was a young man, over and over and over, this witness in my life has been confirmed and affirmed and confirmed and affirmed and reaffirmed and reaffirmed and confirmed some more to me that what I have is real and what I have is true. And what does it confirm? What does this witness tell us? What does it show us? It shows us, I'll tell you what it does. It shows us that we are purchased property. It shows us that we don't belong to ourselves. That our heart has been taken by another. That we are betrothed to one that is holy and righteous. It shows us and it, and it speaks that we're special. It speaks that we're redeemed, pardoned, and that we are precious in this one's eyes that, that dwells within us. I know this. The whole reason why 1 John was given is so that we can know we have eternal life, right? I know this. You say, that's awful prideful to say that you know something. No, not according to God's word. Because it says that we can know that we have eternal life. So for me to make the statement boldly and say, I know that I have eternal life is not arrogance or pride. It is stating what God's word says that we can know that we have this eternal life. Job said it the best, didn't he? I know what. Finish it for me. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know is what Job said. Do you have this witness in yourself? Now here's the thing, if you do, then that means you have to share that witness. You have to bear record of it. And you have to share it with other people. That's what he's called us to do. Verse 10. Listen to it and I'm I'm almost done. Listen, I'm finishing up verse 10. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Make God a liar? What? That's a scary place to be in, right? Amen. Why does that happen? Because he believes not the record that God gave of his son. Because he's not believed the record that God has gave of his son. 
When individuals reject the record, the testimony of Jesus Christ, they're calling God what? A liar. They're saying, you're not true. So what are they rejecting? They're rejecting a true record. They're rejecting facts. True historical accounts. Facts. I, w- I want to explain this to you because I-, I want us to understand what a record is. It's not something that's vinyl that goes around the thing and makes a lot of noise. A record is the truth of something that's been wrote down and confirmed. It's, it's the truth of something. In court, what happens? Things go on the record. They're recorded as they were told they happened. That's why they make you take an oath before. That everything be true, witnessed, and confirmed that it is a record. I have a birth certificate at home that's 39 years old, soon to be 40 years old. On that birth certificate, it has my name, Matthew David Merle, born December the 7th, 1982, in Lexington, Kentucky, Baptist Hospital. And then it goes on to say my birth weight, how big I am, my parents, Roger and Donna Merle. This is an actual record. It is a paper record. You can even see how old it is. It's 39 and a half years old. There is no one that would tell me if I showed them my birth record, they would say, well, you're a liar. That ain't right. They would say, well, I believe it. It's right there. That's your birth record. And they would say, that's that's a true record. And it testifies to what? How old you are, who your parents are, and where you were born when you came into this world. That's a true record. It's a true statement. It's been recorded. It is public knowledge. With that being said, concerning Christ, we have millions and millions of gallons of blood from bulls and from goats and from sheep and from turtle doves that have been spilt and that has been poured out on the altars over the thousands of years that all testify and bear record to a one that would come take away the sin of the world and his name was Jesus. All the Old Testament, even coming into the New Testament where there were sacrifices, these all bear record. And even more so than my birth certificate. Because see, this is God's Word. These are actual events that happened that bear record. God has given us hundreds of very specific prophecies concerning the Messiah that would be fulfilled by him. And in fact, they were. Which no one else can do. 
but Jesus. So the record is true, yet again. Not only of the sacrifices that pointed to him, not only of the prophecies concerning him that he came and fulfilled perfectly, without question, without fail, without doubt. But then you also, to deny this and to call God a liar, you then have to go to the prophets who prophesied concerning him and say, you're a liar because what you said didn't come to be, when in fact it did. Not only the prophets, but then you would have to go to the kings who testified of Jesus Christ, who wrote books. The book of Psalms, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Song of Solomon, who wrote books concerning the promised one to come. You would have to say, well, they're liars too. And what they say is not right. And once you get past the kings and the prophets, see, then you have to get to the judges who spoke of and, and were types of the deliverer. And you would have to say, now what they foreshadow, now that's not right either. About the coming Savior. But then there's still another obstacle. All of the priests, the thousands of them that practiced all of the sacrifices... You'd have to say, no, you know what? They're not right either. Even though every garment and every act and every ritual that they did all pointed to the coming Savior, you would have to say, nope, they're not right either. And then you would have to look into all the historical stories in God's Word and say, I reject them. I deny them. I don't care if they point to Jesus. They're not real. And the truth is, is that we just can't do that because it's all there. And it's all true. But there are people that take all of that truth and take everything that point to Christ and still reject Him. They still reject the truth. For anyone to look at all the records, all the truths of Jesus and to reject them is taking that record about Jesus, standing before the Father and saying, you know what, you're a liar and the truth ain't in you and tearing it in half. Buddy, let me tell you something. When you start seeing the rejection of God in our life, when you start seeing rejection of the Son... And when you see it in that light, as you standing before him calling him a liar, I don't want to be anywhere around you. Because God is a jealous God and he's a, he can be an angry God. He's holy and he's righteous. Let God be true and every man a liar. Don't fall in the hands of an angry God. This is a scary place to be in. When we spurn the truth, calling God a liar. You say, I've never done that. If you've rejected his son, you have. Because you've rejected 
the witness, the record, the testimony, and everything that Jesus is. You've rejected him, and you've called the Father a liar. And that's a dangerous place to be. So you simply, not adhering to the gospel, not obeying the gospel, you see now that you're in a very scary place. Because the truth has been given. Verse 11 and 12, and I'm done. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. That is the good news. That is the gospel. This eternal life is in his son, Jesus. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. John tells us very clearly, those that have him and those that don't. And then we have there in 13 that I read earlier. John comes and he tells us, this is the whole reason for the book. He says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Will you embrace the multitude of historical facts and historical letters and historical witnesses and all of these testimonies and all of these records? Will you embrace all of that concerning the Son of God or will you reject it? Choose this day whom you will serve. The record has been given. It has been read aloud. The testimony has been shared. The witness is confirmed in my heart and you guys' hearts that are Christians that Jesus is real. There's multitudes and multitudes of evidence. Will you reject him and call him a liar? Or will you receive him by faith? And call him your Savior. That's what I have for you this morning. Let's pray.